What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 22 of Twigs and Twine. Sorry about last week. I had to have a little bit of a, of a week off with Italy making it to the Euro Finals and winning it. And uh, all of us just in, just enjoying the uh, the festivities. I know I'm down, like I'm down in Woodbridge, um, suburb of Toronto. And uh, anyone from Woodbridge listening to this, and especially if you're Italian, probably went down the market lane and they know it's an absolute mess. There was at least 2,000 people there. It was beautiful. Joey, how'd you spend uh, your Italy long weekend? Well, uh, I traveled up north where you are, Matthew. I took a trip down Market Lane. You were there? I was. You fucking asshole. And you didn't fucking call me. I I was uh, a little booted, not gonna lie. I can say one thing, though. It's good to see the boys in blue finally win something. One, One of the boys in blue. One of the boys in blue finally wins something. It's good to root for a team that, that actually wins. So uh, it took a lot of pressure off the Leafs. So I feel good. I feel like I've accomplished something. And uh, yeah, just going to ride that until uh, World Cup next year. Alex, we'll get to you in like two in a second. Did you guys see that the World Cup next year is in November? Is it? Yeah. It's November to December. They fucked us. A little bit. I, I don't know why. Like, why. Why would you even do that, though? It's in Qatar, and they needed the extra time to build the city because they're building the city that they're uh, right now. It's so what a joke. Yeah, I know. At least on the bright side, World Cup 2026 is going to be in Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. So we're going to have a few games in Toronto, which is always nice. That I saw, yeah. But I just hope to God that they, we can get at least one Italy game here because Toronto is the Italian capital outside of Italy. That's true, and Saint Clair or Woodbridge, Saint Clair areas, hot spots. Toronto, yeah, that's Toronto. No, yeah, I know, but I'm saying those are the hot spots. Like, you go there, you finding nothing but Italian people. So yeah, Alex Muff, how did you spend your? Uh, how did you celebrate the Italy win? We celebrated with a little bit of family dinner with cousins and grandparents, and then uh, it was more of a late night trip down to uh, Market Lane there, down Woodbridge. Both you bastards were down in fucking guy. Well, I was down there at about twelve o'clock. I don't know when you were there. So was I. Oh. Uh, the game ended, I think, at six. I got down there at like six forty-five. I was back home at twelve thirty. Yeah, it was. Uh, it didn't go right away. It went later, later, later. Yeah, that was an. It was an absolute mess down there. But it was hilarious seeing, like, within five minutes, seeing like maybe sixty people that I haven't seen in years. But yeah, honestly, like, and Joe, you are right. That does take the, some of the pressure off of Toronto because realistically, a good chunk of Torontonians are Italian. And with Italy winning, that takes the fans' urge to to see a championship down a bit. I know even with myself, like now I see that I see Italy win, and I just want more. So I want, like, I want more always. Can you imagine the celebration if the Leafs won? Jeez, no, can't actually. But Toronto needs to be shut down. Yeah, they actually shut down Toronto for a couple of days. They'd have to. You wouldn't be able to get Noma. They would. Yeah, they would have to. So not even TTC. Just the subway would be the only thing going. Not even TTC. People would be on the TTC. No, the subway would be free for like three days. Oh, it'd be great. The subway would be free. They would have to shut down all the roads. You have to walk everywhere. When that does eventually happen, that's when we all went to get a hotel room for a week downtown. And we just ride out the party. That'd be cool. It'd also be like stupidly expensive. Yeah, no, if you know a guy. Okay, well, there you have it. All right, so let's get into the hockey news because I know that's why you're all listening. And yeah, so we took last week off and obviously the cup was handed out to the Tampa Bay Lightning for a second year in a row, beating the Habs in five games. And who had that? Who had Tampa in five? Me. You had Tampa in five? Yes, sir. I had Tampa in six. I know Joey had Montreal in seven for some reason. I'd have to reverse voodoo it. But I'd always say every round Montreal would lose and they win. So I'm going to say Montreal is going to win and they'll lose. So you're welcome, everyone. 
I am the sole reason why Montreal lost. I am the sole reason why the betting mush is the reason why. I am so happy that Montreal got shit pumped in that series against Tampa, and Tampa deserved to win it. But it also, at the same time, like guys like Carey Price and Shea Weber feel so bad. But like Shea Weber might have played his last game in the NHL. Well, at least he played his last game in the Stanley Cup final. Sure, he didn't win, but aside from winning the Stanley Cup, there's no real better way to go out. Yeah, that guy's done literally everything. He's won. I'm pretty sure Weber's won the juniors. He's won the Olympics. He's gotten uh, the world championship. He is a triple gold member, if I'm not mistaken. He's won everything for the first country. He's all-star games. Norris here and there. That must sting a bit, eh? Everything but a cup. Very few people who play can win a cup. And now, uh, no, we'll just get into it a little bit now, because since we're speaking on Montreal... With them leaving Price and I'm pretty sure Weber is well exposed. Seattle, do you guys think that Price is time in Montreal is done? Yeah. And to be honest, if you're Seattle, I don't understand why you wouldn't take Carey Price. I understand he's 33 with five years left on a contract at $10 million, but come on. You saw he stole almost every game that Montreal won for that team. And it's just to bet against him now after coming off a performance like that, there'd be something not right with you if that was crossing through your head to not take him. Yeah, that's true. Joey? No, for sure. I'm going to agree with Muff on this one. He kind of showed why he was the greatest in the league. And I think he's kind of back on that path. You know, he just needed something new, something fresh, and, you know, he was given an opportunity in the playoffs to really take it for his team, and that's exactly what he did. He seized the moment and the opportunity, and he really went on a deep run, and Montreal's out in the first round without him. Everyone knows that. Montreal doesn't make the playoffs without him. He didn't play in this season, did he? He didn't play as well as he did in the playoffs in the regular season. I mean, yeah, no shit. He was tied with Vasilevsky for the best goal in the playoffs. I Clark. And, you know, Vasilevsky also had a way stronger team in front of him. And given what Price had, he definitely made the most out of it. What Carey Price needs is a change of scenery. That's what I think. I think he needs to go to a new city, a new team. And Seattle obviously has all the pieces to be a, you know, pretty good team in my, in uh, what I see on the protected list and whatnot. I think they'd be stupid not to pick up Carey Price, one of the greatest goalies in the league. And I think he could get back on that Vesna talk if he does stick to how he played in the playoffs. Can he do it? I think so. And uh, I'd be completely gassed if they didn't pick him up. It's not every day that you see a goalie of Carey Price's caliber hit the open market and where you can go and claim him for virtually nothing. All you have to do is pay his contract. Like, it's just, it does not happen. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I just, I'm just reading this right now as you guys were talking. He's owed like 15 million bucks in September in a signing bonus. That's 11. Is it 11? Okay, so I'm, re- I'm like I'm doing some reading on, on Instagram now, on the, the hockey Instagram and hockey Twitter pages. And all I'm seeing is no one's saying they're going to, they should take them. Like, all I'm seeing is guys like Duran. Like, I, I see everybody say, oh, don't take them, don't take them. But then when you go and you click on the comment, nobody explains why you shouldn't take them. Like, what's the downside? Unless you're being a sheep and following the rest of the herd here saying, Oh, don't take them. It's a bad deal for Seattle. Blah, 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 blah. How's it not? You're building a team and you have all the cap space. You have you don't have anything to worry about. I think it's almost impossible to spend all of the cap with the players that you have out here. That will make your team a fairly decent team. So it'd be stupid to not have them on your roster. I, it really would be. Again, in my opinion, there is no, and I agree with you, there is no downside to selecting price. 
Because if you think about it, granted, yeah, the cap space is 10.5 million bucks for what? What do you say? Five years left? Five, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of money. But also, he's a starting goalie. He'll be your starting goalie until that contract's up. Look what Vegas did with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. What was he making? Six, seven? Granted, six, seven compared to 10.5. But still, he's making a lot of money. But he's still a quality goalie. And like you build from your goaltender before you build from anywhere else. Yes, you need a franchise centerman. You need a top two defenseman. But the goalie is the most important part of that team. No matter how many goals you score, if you have a shit goalie in that, you're losing. Which is why like, if they're going to go. I like, Yeah, they are going to go and select Carey Price. But also one thing, like, when I'm looking at it, you see a guy like Jonathan Dren is available at what? Four, five, five million bucks for another couple of years. Yeah, I don't even think you should touch on Joanne. Like, if you're Seattle, you shouldn't even look at him. You just leave him in Montreal. I don't think it's even worth it. Why do you say that? He's not a terrible player, but he just has not lived up to these expectations in Montreal that were placed upon him. In Tampa Bay, he did well, you know, he, he was able to pull his own weight. But in Montreal, he hasn't really turned out to be what they traded Sergachev for. And I understand Seattle, yeah, I just mentioned you have all the cash space in the world. They have 81.5 million bucks to spend. Yeah, I, I just don't think taking Dren's contract is a smart uh, smart decision. I don't know, like, I'm going to quickly look into exactly, like, what his contract is, but... I wouldn't say he's not a terrible player, obviously. However, he's been on a, I wouldn't even say a steady decline. Uh, he So, Dren has five and a half million bucks left for two years. He averages about half. That is not a terrible contract by any stretch of the imagination. I think it just comes down to who would rather have a decent winger or an all-star goalie. <laughs> That's how it is in my eyes. I think Carey Price is more, it's higher risk, but it's also way higher reward. I think with Duran, it's just kind of like, okay, you pick up this decent winger. He's going to get some points for you. And that's about it. He's not going to really contribute much into the overall success of the team. However, you get a goaltender like Carey Price and this guy can literally steal games and not only games, steal series. So I think once you contrast the both of them, you kind of see which one's more important and uh, which one you'd rather, you know, sacrifice or risk on. 100%. From Montreal, let's move on to Toronto. And with Jared McCann coming from Pittsburgh to Toronto for Philip Hollander in a seventh-round pick. For those of you who don't know who Philip Hollander is, he was the prospect acquired in the Kaspari Kapanen trade from last season. And the seventh-round pick is in 2023, if I'm not mistaken. Looking at McCann's stats and the little that I have seen of him, I do like this trade. He's making, I think, 2.95, roughly, for another year. Sorry, he's on an expiring contract. And the Hockey Illuminati said this on his uh, Instagram stories this morning, and I agree with him. I love having players around on contract years. It's a show-me deal. It's literally just show me that uh, that you're worth it. They're fighting for their careers. And how perfect is it that fucking Kyle Dubas goes out and gets another Sioux Greyhounds alum? He played for the Sioux from 12-13 to 14-15. He, he was with the Sioux. And in that time, he was also with Team Canada World, uh, at the under-17 and the under-18. Which also, I forgot to mention, congratulations to friend of the show, Dom DiVincentis, on, on making Team Canada's uh, under-17 team. Good on you, buddy. And from all of us at Twix and Twine, good luck in the tournament. We're all rooting for you. And, uh, and when you get back... We'll have, we'll love to have you on and just to hear your, your experiences. McCann was drafted 24th overall by Vancouver in 2014. He only ended up playing one season for them. Having, in 69 games, he had 18 points, 9 goals, 9 assists. 
and a minus six. From the stuff that I've heard about his time in Vancouver, I heard he was very mouthy, used to mouth off all the time to other players, to coaches, to management. He was then flipped to Florida. I don't even know who he was flipped with. Like, I, I got to find that trade. I want to say he was actually flipped with Hunter Shankarak, another, like that same first, another pick, first round pick, maybe the year after, the year before. Traded along with a second round pick. And a fourth for Erica Branson and a fifth. So he was sent over to Florida where he was there for two seasons. Or yeah, two, three seasons, sorry. One season was split between the minors and the pro league. And his final season with Florida, he had eight goals and 10 assists for 18 points in 46 games, minus nine. Then he goes to Pittsburgh in the Bukestad trade in 2019. And then he had in three seasons, yeah, two and a half seasons. He had a good point total, except this year, he just went on another fucking planet. 32 points, 14 goals, 18 assists in 43 games. That's roughly a 75 point pace. And he's making 2.95. He could play on that set, on that third line. I know Jim Rutherford said he could play out. He's a top six forward, which I don't know. I know Jim Rutherford likes to say that about a lot of players. He, like, he likes the, when they reacquired Kapanen. He said that, that he's going to be playing on the first line. And also with Cody Ceci, they call he called him a top four defenseman, which I don't agree with. But whatever. I do like this trade. And I do hope that McCann doesn't get selected by Seattle because he is on the exposed list. Alex, what are your thoughts? I think it's a good trade. Like we, we were talking earlier, you know, we brought him in and there's the possibility that we lose Kerfoot and bring in McCann. You know, he's a good player. He's just he doesn't kill penalties, right? I, I like him coming in on the contract that he is at and he gives us a little extra space to kind of wiggle and find another player or re-sign somebody else. But in my opinion, nothing more than a uh, minor deal. He'll play third line and I think he'll get bumped around on the fourth line possibly where Spezza may come in and play that third line center spot. But it's nothing major in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. I the only thing I disagree on, I think you'll have a, a little bit bigger of a role than what you think. I'm not saying he's going to go out and play top six minutes, no, but you know, you, you have a guy that's on a 75 point pace season last season. You got to give this guy at least a look, right? Depending on his play, if he could keep up what he did last season, I think we could definitely move him around, maybe utilize him a bit more on the power play and whatnot. From what I've read about this guy, this guy's a crazy skater, good IQ. I think our power play needs a bit of juggling, so I think uh, this is a player that could really help. As far as the curve for Great goals. I think this kind of solidifies Kerfoot going to Seattle. This was a good replacement for him. Hopefully, he could bring the same type of energy to the lineup. And uh, I'm excited to see what uh, McCann could do for us. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to say that the way I see it, he's either a Kerfoot replacement at center if Kerfoot gets taken, or if say Travis Dermott gets taken, or, or another defenseman, whatever. I do see him coming up and kind of being that a poor man Zach Hyman. Like you said, he's a crazy skater. His elite prospects description: a highly intelligent finesse player who fits the mold of the traditional two-way center, an excellent skater who displays consistent agility, tremendous release in a shot, but can get thought, caught thinking instead of doing. Transition game is elite, his, and his quickness at switching from defense to offense is so abrupt that it catches a lot of players off guard. The work ethic, talent, and hockey sense is all there. But the biggest thing is that McCann needs to be more confident in his abilities. When he's on his game, he can be dominant. And when he's offensively and defensively assertive, he's near impossible to stop. As he continues to grow into more prominent roles, he will develop more upward trending habits and become more consistent. His potential is that of an elite offensive forward who can make an impact on the game at both ends of the ice. So I don't know. I could be wrong here. I could sound like an idiot, but that does seem like a Zach Hyman style of description. Somebody who is a crazy skater. He has a good shot. Yeah, he's... 
like McCann can get caught thinking sometimes. Sometimes he'll overthink and he'll fuck up. But like, if you look at it, he's got work ethic, his talent, his hockey sense. That's things that like I, I would put with Hyman. Heavy work ethic, a lot of talent and good hockey sense. I do see him, especially if Kerfoot doesn't get selected, I see him coming in on that top six left wing role. Think about it. Who's there? Who, who do we have on the left wing there? We got Marner. On the left wing? No, Marner plays the right wing. Yeah, it's Martin. Never mind. Marner and on the left wing. Or on the right side. Who do we have left wing? Mikheyev? Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with putting out Mikheyev on the second line. I'm going to be completely honest. I am absolutely not. You're not? I am okay with it, but like teams got to flip a bit. I see this trade. I see his stats. I see his description. I like this trade a lot because let's be honest here. Jaime is not coming back. It pains me to say it. He's not coming back. Toronto doesn't want to give him, what was it? Six by five, like six, six years by five million or flipped five by six. I think it was six by five. Five by six. He was comparing to Gallagher. He has every right to. Listen, if, if he's asking from Toronto for six million, he's going to get seven on the open market. Watch him go to a team like Edmonton. Edmonton, I think, is where he lands. That my opinion. That's where he lands. And that's uh that's gonna be his home play alongside McDavid. Watch him go to Buffalo and with the, the reasoning I want to win a cup. I don't even want to think like that. Just think about it. Who's the biggest free agent out in the market now? Like this season. For the coming season? Other than Taylor Hall. Oh, Landis Cole. What am I saying? Fuck. Alex Ovechkin, too. Wait, is Ovi a UFA? No, that's next year, no. No, I'm pretty sure it's this year. I'm sorry. Nobody's talking about that. It's not likely he goes anywhere except uh, Washington. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, holy shit. Oh, he is. Yeah. It's just, he's not, nobody expects him to go anywhere else than Washington. That's why there's no news around him. I guess they just find Buffalo. Goes to Buffalo, 15 a million a year on a one-year deal. And this guy's won everything. Except for anything international. Well, he got a World Junior gold. Did he win the gold at the Olympics? No, he didn't. Exactly. Because yeah, the locker, yeah, I remember that. The one year, Russia won it in 2018, back when there was no NHL players. Before that, it was Canada, Canada, Sweden, Canada. Russian said he wasn't going to play in the NHL play for Russia never happened yeah remember yeah fuck remember that yeah yeah if uh, if the NHL players aren't able to go I'm gonna I'm gonna go spend the year with Moscow and then play in the in the Olympics for Russia <laughs> that never fucking worked out oh, that guy is still there's an absolute machine I think we're rambling a little bit on the Toronto thing so let's move on to possibly one of the worst trades I've seen in a long time Duncan Keith going to Edmonton going to be closer to his son who's in BC I'm pretty sure he gets traded to Ed- to Edmonton from Chicago in a move that makes Stan Bowman look like an absolute genius okay, getting back defenseman Caleb Jones and a conditional third in 2022 the condition on the third round pick is it becomes a second if Edmonton wins three rounds and Keith is top four in ice time I, I think Keith has the chance of being a top two in ice time over there especially if Clefbaum's still not playing and win three rounds is a little bit of a stretch but Edmonton, you never know. Teeth is making five and a half million bucks for the next few years, and his production is, has been going down steadily. He's getting up there in age. He still has the hockey IQ. He still has the winning mentality. He still wants to go out there and win. But then when you see the return that Edmonton got for him, or the Chicago got for him, a guy like Caleb Jones, who he was touted as one of Edmonton's best defensive prospects, from what I've seen. He's played a few seasons. He's split between the AHL and the AHL, and he's not the greatest on the defensive end. He's been a minus player every year that he's played. Minus 25 and 17, 18, my God, but he's a guy that can go then go there and put up and put up a few points when needed. If you look at it, he's he's still 24, he's still a young defenseman in 33 games this year, four assists, minus seven in, in Edmonton. Last season, he played 14 games, he had 11 points in Bakersfield. So he's a guy that's the way I see it, he's a byproduct of a shitty development team in Edmonton. I think he's gonna go to Chicago, he's gonna play one more year in the AHL where he can really develop his game and then come up. I say he's gonna put up a good amount of points next year in, in Chicago when he plays, if not the year after. Yeah, that's what Chicago does best. They have a <laughs> real good development system down there and i can't believe edmonton took the bait on this one 
This is just like a classic Edmonton move. Oh, you're not developing fast enough, Con. Well, I'm going to side with Edmonton on this trade here. Only for the reason that we were just saying that Duncan Keith, he's been around the block. You know, he's won multiple Stanley Cups. He's been a part of gold medal national teams. You know, he has all these accolades. So why not bring in one of the most decorated defensemen of our generation and let him mentor Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear, guys that you have, even Evan Bouchard, guys that you have who are going to be on your team for the long run. Like, I understand Edmonton. You know, you get rid of Caleb Jones. I understand that. Uh, Matthew said he's a byproduct of a faulty development team. And I, I completely understand. And maybe Edmonton should have waited on him. But you know what? The thing is, Edmonton can't wait any longer. You got all these rumors constantly swirled. Does McDavid want out? Does Drysidle want out of Edmonton? Blah, 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 blah. You know, it constantly nonstop. This year, you kind of have to start proving that, you know what, Connor? Leon, this is the place where you want to be for the rest of your career. We're going to win a Stanley Cup. And it's going to start at the back end with Duncan Keith coming in, bringing all of his playoff experience, just sprinkling it on to the rest of the roster. And then while he's at it, why not, you know, sit there and mentor Darnell Nurse, mentor Ethan Bear, develop these guys who for both are on contract years this year. So, you know what? I like this trade with Edmonton. Ken Holland, I think he did a good job on it. You know, And I think this is going to have a bigger impact than most people are willing to recognize. Yeah, I get where you're, where you're coming from. But at the same time, this is nothing against acquiring Keith. I just think that if you want him as a mentor, I think the price was too much. When you have guys, like, you want older defensemen that can go and mentor a guy like Ethan Barrett, like Darnell Nurse, like even Clefbaum and, uh, and like, and Bouchard, like you said, you got guys that you can go out and you can acquire. I'm on sporttrack.com right now, looking at pending UFAs. You got guys like Ryan Suter, who's played forever. The guy who consistently plays 30 plus minutes, like he'll play 30 minutes a night if need be. You got guys like Keith Yandel. You got guys like Alex Edler. Like you have guys that can go out and have, they have the playoff experience. Edler made it to a cup final. You have guys with the experience who can go out there. Even Nicholas Yalmerson, he's a UFA now. He won two cups or three cups, however many cups he won in Chicago. You could have gotten him for just the cost of his contract. The Duncan Keith trade happened prior to Ryan Suter being bought out. So Ryan Suter's off the table. The thing is, these guys aren't, as decorated as Duncan Keith. They don't have the experience that he has playing on these dynasty teams like the Blackhawks were in the 2010s. And now, now we're on to Tampa Bay, but he played on these national teams that were stacked with prime Crosby and Bergeron and the list keeps it goes down and you play with all these players. Why would you not want to groom Darnell Nurse? Why would you not want to groom Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard? All these guys, if you can lock them up next year, they can have a profound impact on your team in the next four or five years, as long as McDavid and Dreisaitl are there. And then you have Hopkins there for another eight years. I mean, have the space to take the contract on. They also have another 11.2 in cap space this year. They can use, and you know what, if you want to go bolster your offense like we were talking about with Zach Hyman, and get some grit on your lineup, that's fine. If you want to bring in another defenseman and you want to take a run at Seth Jones out in Columbus over there, have him for the year. And you know what? If you guys aren't doing well at the trade deadline, you flip them for somebody else. 
else, then it's a possibility. But it, it's not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea at all. It, it looks like he was overpaid, but you know what? Caleb Jones, he just hadn't really turned out the way that everybody over there had hoped. And, you know, get a little bit of value for him while he's still worth something. Yeah, and I get that. But also at the same time, think of this. Keith requested a trade to Western Canada so he could be closer to his kid. That's the only place he wanted to go. Edmonton's Western Canada. Exactly. Which is why I'm saying like a team like Edmonton or Vancouver, Vancouver especially, but Edmonton, they had they held all the cards. That was one of two teams that... Uh, Keith wanted to go to. I understand he wanted to go, but what's he going to do? Like sit out in Chicago? He wasn't going to sit out. You still play, playing alongside Taze and Kane. Yeah, he obviously wasn't going to sit out, but what I'm saying is like, and I'm curious how that conversation went with, went between Holland and Bowman. I would love to see uh, like a recording of that. Do you remember the recording when the Bruins uh, war room, when they traded Sagan? I wish they had something like, like they had another recording like that. Because... I wish I could see a few of those recordings because that you can never see that happen anymore. But I am curious what the original offer was. And I'm curious whether or not Holland could have negotiated for less, for a better cost on their end. Because that was one of two teams that he wanted to go to. So they held all the cards. They could have said, okay, then you're stuck with them. Not necessarily. Or you expose them to Seattle. I'm pretty sure he had a no move, so he wouldn't have been exposed. If he does expose it, though. Seattle takes it any day of the week. Seattle takes him. Even exposing him to Seattle would have been would have been good for him. If you expose him, then Chicago gets nothing for him. Exactly. So he Edmonton could have had all the cards. Okay, we didn't want to pay this much. You could expose him and then I'll make a side trade with Seattle. I don't know. I, I like this trade on Edmonton's part from day one. Oh, I think Chicago wins this trade. Joey, I don't think we've heard from you. Yeah, Joey, you've been like uncharacteristically quiet. <laughs> you boys are just going at it. You had had a bit of some good banter going on. I didn't want to get in between. No, I'm with Matt on this one. I think uh, Chicago. I wouldn't say Rob Muff. You bring up a lot of good points with the, you know, being in a vet, some someone that's been around the league. But to me, this would be a win now type of trade, and I don't see Edmonton as a win now team. They have the space to do it. They have the resources to make that team happen. And Caleb Jones isn't win now. Duncan Keith, he's win now. He is win now, but I, I don't see Edmonton being that win now team unless they make some crazy moves in the offseason, which they may very well do. There's a lot of time to see what happens. I will tell. For sure. Anyway, so moving on to the biggest trade of the day uh, yesterday, a three-team trade, which we haven't had that in a while. Actually, no, never mind. Sorry, we had that uh, since the deadline. Three-team trade between the Philly Flyers, Golden Knights, and the Preds. So it starts like this. Ryan Ellis gets traded from Nashville to Philly for Nolan Patrick and Philip Myers. And then Nashville immediately flips Nolan Patrick to Vegas for Cody Glass. So if you want to think of it this way, Vegas acquires Patrick, Nashville acquires Glass and Myers, and Philly gets Ryan Ellis. We can go through this one team at a time if you guys want. We can start with Vegas because that's the easier one. Cody Glass didn't have the start to his NHL career that especially Vegas would hope, considering they picked him, what, fifth, sixth overall? High pick, yeah. Very high pick. And neither did Nolan Patrick at getting picked second. He's been fucked over with injuries. That's just a perfect change of scenery move. Guys with a lot of potential that just haven't been able to work out. I like the Nolan Patrick Cody Glass. Real, like, I the end i do like it they were picked the same draft no yeah i believe so yes it was cody glass not vegas's first pick vegas's first pick ever yeah fifth overall fourth overall fifth whatever so they flipped that which i like and then ellis to philly for myers and like for myers and glass let's put it that way ryan ellis is a top two defenseman any day of the week in my opinion and i want to see i'm going to take a look at his stats right now so ryan ellis he's 30 years old 
he's making $6.250 million, $6.250 until the end of 26-27. This past season as an assistant captain with the Preds, 35 games, five goals, 13 assists for 18 points. And he, he was a plus one. And if I'm not mistaken, he was playing top two minutes with uh, Yossi, was he not? He's also a right-handed defenseman, which you always have to pay a premium for a right-handed defenseman. He's going to go to Philly, barring some like insane other like side deal. He's going to go to Philly and he's going to be paired with Ivan Provorov, which I think is an, that's going to be an amazing pair, an amazing top two pair. He's been around the block. He made the cup final with the Preds, so he has that experience too. He's gone on deep playoff runs. He's represented Canada in the World Juniors. He represented Canada in the World Championship. Oh shit, I thought he was on the uh, the World Cup team as well, but I guess not. He's had a, a pretty damn good career up until now. It's well known that he can put up points. I, I like this trainer on all three ends. Like I think this this is the first time in a while we've had a good hockey trade. No picks, no salary retention, just a good hockey trade. Philip Myers, I can't speak much on because I don't know much about him. It, unless I'm thinking of somebody else. He's still young, like 24 years old. One goal, 10 assists, minus 10 in 44 games with Philly this year. In his, let's call it his first full NHL campaign because uh, he didn't play in the minors at all this, this past season. He's a young guy. I don't know. I think I think within Nashville, a team that's known for building defensemen. I really like that he's going to the Preds. I think he'll be able to pick up his game. He's another right shot defenseman, so he'll probably slide in there, maybe on the third pair, if not the second pair, and try and replace some of Ellis's minutes and some of Ellis's production. It is possible. Granted, no one is going to replace Ellis's production like Ellis did, but I think that he's still young. He could put up points. If you look at 1819, which was only a couple years back, he had 33 points in 53 games plus nine with Lehigh Valley, which, yeah, AHL is not the NHL, but like he could still put up points. He could still go and be effective. So I think that this trade's going to pay dividends for all three teams. I agree. I'm most excited to see how Glass and Patrick do. Like how you touched on earlier, both those guys, they have, you know, the start that not only themselves, but their teams weren't expecting them. But the change of scenery could be nice. We all know Patrick is, you know, just bad luck with injuries. Unfortunately, missed all of last year. But if you look at his first two seasons, he was making quite a name for himself. It's unfortunate that what happened happened. And with Glass, it's just, I think, it was just coming into a very competitive team from the get-go, you know. You look at Vegas and what they did in their first year, the really competitive team, hard for a rookie to really get his feet going. And it kind of just stayed that way the past few years so i'm really excited to see what both of them do yeah i, I agree i agree with both of you here you know, the only thing is is ryan ellis if i'm him i'm a little skeptical about going to a philadelphia team that's kind of i mean i don't want to say that they're the worst team or they're in the bottom half of the league but they're not getting any better Unfortunately, bringing him in makes them better. Yes, 100%. But aside from him, they're not getting any better. Goaltender Carter Hart, he was supposed to be a, a top five goalie this year. And, you know, now he's considered like a bottom tier goaltender. And this is a good step in the right direction for Philadelphia as a team and as an organization. But for Ryan Ellis, like I said, I'm a little skeptical. Matthew, you touched on that Nashville, they produce a lot of good defensemen. And Felipe Myers going over there and having the chance to learn with one of the best defensemen in the NHL, Roman Yossi, it's only going to bolster his value in the coming years as he develops. And then the Nolan Patrick and Cody Glass deal, you know, both guys, Patrick for sure need a change of scenery. I think Cody Glass was still a good fit with Vegas. He wasn't going to be playing your top four minutes, but he was able to play good defensively when you needed it in the later stages of games. But like you said, a good hockey trade. 
no draft picks, no salary retentions, just players for players trying to help your team win. Exactly. And I think, yeah, like I said, this is a trade that's going to pay dividends for all three teams involved, which is a trade that we don't see that often anymore. Now, especially in this cap era, in this flat cap era, all we see is, oh yeah, retain salary. Three team trades to get to get one player on a 75% retention, like Toronto did with Felino. And like I love seeing older style hockey trades, player for player or multiple players for multiple players, that each team comes out with something that they need. Like Nashville needed a centerman because their centers have been shit. Vegas needed a, a change of senior for, for Cody Glass. And they got basically the same style of player as Cody Glass in Nolan Patrick. And Philly needed a defenseman because Goss Bear has gone to shit. And they got Ellis. You mentioned like good hockey trades. I still like seeing the retention trades though it forces gms to really kind of think outside the box and you're gambling a little bit more with other teams where these hockey trades you know you don't see them every day they're coming a lot more rare but these trades here they seem a little three team trades are not easy don't get me wrong they're not easy but i think just straight hockey trades when you don't have to worry about salary cap i think they're a little easier to pull off considering that you don't have to worry about like oh yeah like i don't know if I, you're gonna have to retain this much okay if you retain if i retain this much you have to throw in this pick and this pick yeah it's so much simpler anyways i think we should move on to a major signing in Miro Heiskanen signing eight years at 8.45 million bucks a season. With Heiskanen, he's coming off his ELC, and obviously that's the new the, the way things are now with players signing their big deals right after their ELC. Obviously, he has a cup final appearance to his name from last season with the Stars. This past season, 55 games, eight goals, 19 assists for 27 points. The season prior, though, in 68 games, eight goals, 27 assists for 35 points. But then when he came when it came to the playoffs. 27 games, six goals, 20 assists for 26 points, plus eight. He's an insane player. He is their franchise defenseman, picked third overall in 2017. Yeah, 2017. And when I see this guy play, he's just disgusting. He can move the puck. He could shoot. He's just, he's a great offensive defenseman who could still play on the defensive end a bit. Granted, minus 14 in his first, in his only full season, a full 82 game season, obviously, because the other ones were shortened, but he was minus 14. This season, minus nine with uh, with 27 points. He can still put up points. I really like this trade. 8.45 million bucks is nothing compared to like what the top tier players are making now. When I heard he was going to be an RFA, I was expecting to ask for 10, 11. Moff, let's start with you. What do you think on this contract? Well, I've been kind of debating back and forth whether I like it, whether I don't. I'll forever be against coming out of your ELC and teams just giving up their stances and signing that player to almost $9 million. Well, in this case, almost $9 million. I'll forever be against it. You have to earn your stripes. And it's not only while you're playing in your ELC, right? But as soon as you you started reading the stats, it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe he is worth a portion of that money, not the $8 million. And you know what? He's going to be locked up for a long time. He'll be your uh, franchise defenseman until he's 30 years old. And then as soon as you get it, you start digging in a little deeper and you look at the cap friendly, it's not a terrible deal. You have guys on here. Sagan and Jamie Ben are both making over $9 million dollars and then you have Pavelski at seven Alex Radulov at six and a quarter both at one year left 
So it does open up space for the coming years. Looking into it, it is not a terrible deal. At first, I was a little skeptical. That's a lot of money for a long, long time. But you know what? It could very well work out for them and to their benefit. Yeah, but also you have to think of it this way. They're buying into some of his UFA years too. I, I know for a fact that if they just sign that contract until his UFA year, until he's what, 27 is the UFA year, 26? So if they signed him in, uh, and walked him right to free agency, he would have signed for less. But since they're buying into his UFA years, I think that's why they had to pick up the extra bit of cash for him. Because realistically, if he keeps up this play in four years, whatever, when his UFA year is, with the way that the cap's going to be going up, because I feel like after the flat cap from COVID is done, the cap might jump 6 million bucks. What are you saying? The cap's going to jump a lot once the flat cap's done. Oh, yeah. So when that happens, then an $8.45 million contract, the percentage is going to go down and down and down to the point where it looks like a $7 million deal or even an $8 million deal or even a $6 million deal as the years progress. Look at when uh, Dallas made that deep run. Tiskanen's in 27 games, this guy put up 26 points as a defenseman. And I think he was 20 at the time. Or 19. How crazy is that? He's an insane player. Oh, for sure. I'm not saying that he's not. It's just putting in that much money into a 22-year-old defenseman. And then even at that, the defenseman, they don't really necessarily blossom until they're like 26, 27 years old. It's a little, I don't know. I, I think it's a little risky, but I see all the points you're making and how it could work out in their favor. It's just that would have been a little more hesitant if I were the general manager, Jim Neal, on this one. I don't know. I think that, let's just say 8.5, whatever. I think that he did get a good value contract because that's the way things work now. It's not like back 10 years ago. When you sign a guy on a two, three-year deal, bridge deal out of his ELC, and then you sign him for five, six years. Like, this is somebody that you sign... Like now it's getting to your big contract is when you're 23. And that's the way the league is. And if they weren't going to offer it to him, he would just become an RFA and somebody would have gone and put an offer sheet on him. And that offer sheet would have probably been 10. I hope it works out for Dallas. I do. It's just my personal opinion. I, I would have been a little more reluctant on giving him that money. I get why you say that because he hasn't proven himself completely. But like, think about it. He hasn't proven himself through our perspective. Our perspective is still that of 10 years ago when, like I said, players would sign a bridge deal off their ELC then go to arbitration on a one-year deal. And then they would sign a, their long-term deal when they're 26 in their last year of RFA eligibility. That's when they were going to sign their big deal or 27 in their first year of, as a UFA. Like that doesn't happen anymore. The game's changing. The business is changing. And this is what the new normal is and i think in terms of the new normal the high skinning contract looks very good i think even going just based off of his playoff numbers in that final run he could have asked for nine and a half anything else you guys have left to say on this contract no okay and let's move on to another contract and the Bruins, they lock up their, let's call it like it is, their second best defenseman, Brandon Carlo, locked up for six years at $4.1 million a season. Especially after Kevin Miller retired from injuries, which another thing, he retired after seven seasons due to, due to all the injuries, which we wish him the best in retirement. Brandon Carlo is their second best defenseman. And I think that this contract at 4.1 million bucks for a player that could play your top four at the bare minimum is a good contract. Six years is a little bit long. How old is Carlo anyways? 24. 24? Again, I think that contract will pay out. Is he coming off his ELC as well? At 24 years old, he very well could be. No, he's not. He's played six. Yeah, he just finished his sixth season with the team. Shit, feels or fifth season, sorry. Feels like he's been around forever. He made his NHL debut in 16-17. Well, as Leaf fans, it does seem like forever because we play him all the time. We just see him that much more. Yep. So this past season, 27 games, four points plus one. In the playoffs, eight games off the score sheet. He was an even player. Last season, 19 points plus 16. Season before that, 
he was a plus 22, plus 10. Plus, he's, he's always been a consistent plus player. It worked. Like, you need those players. Someone who's better, who's good on the defensive end. Someone who can keep the puck out of the net, out of your zone. So I do like this contract because it's not breaking the bank at 4.1 million bucks. Boston always finds a way to get their players for a lot cheaper, which I... Still don't know how they do that, but whatever. That's another one reason why Toronto keeps getting fucked over by them. And nothing else I've left to say on that. It's a good contract. Boston continues to rip to like fleece the entire league on their contracts. And yeah, let's move on. Anything else you guys have? Like you said, Boston keeps finding a way to sign players to like half the dollar figure that they're really worth. And they've developed all the players that have been drafted by the Boston Bruins, that organization has developed a certain mindset for everybody that there's one goal, the Stanley Cup, and it's about the team. It's not about the single players and having your paydays. It's not about that. It's about the team. You sign for less, you stay on, you're on board. We go deep, we're winning a championship. Brad Marchand, he did it. Patrice Bergeron, he done it. But David Pasternak, you know, he did it a little bit, but he, at two years left, I think he will end up signing for, I'd say, 10 if it comes to that. Patrice Bergeron, he has one year left at 6875. I think he'll take the same, if not less, at 35 years old. But Boston keeps continuously winning. They're just not winning on the ice. And Brandon Carlo at like six years. They'll take him right through his prime at $4.1 million. Like, how can you not like this contract if you're a Bruins fan? I, I'm a Leafs fan, and I love this contract for them. That's how much of a great deal it is. One thing I want to ask you guys is, yeah, like you mentioned, Boston always finds a way to get their players to sign for cheaper than market value. If Hall resigns in Boston, what does he get? Shouldn't be making any more than David Pasternak is. So you're saying Hall's going to sign for less than 6'6". You should. You're fully yourself. If you're signing at like eight and you have other guys who are better than you making, you know, one and a half million dollars less. But you can also make the argument that Pasternak signed that contract, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, I know. But it, it's a culture thing, too. I think if, if Taylor Hall is asking for eight, I think Boston lets him walk. I don't think they have a cap space to afford that. They have projected cap space, $25 million. Holy shit. I think you were wrong. If you let them get away with that, is you can go out and you could right now get your Seth Jones, you can get your Zach Hyman, and you can let Taylor Hall walk. I'm cool with that. Is he a good player? Yeah, but you have to get him at the right price. Okay, so sorry, I interrupt here. Yeah, so they do have 25 million in cap space, but they still they have to go out and they have to sign Taylor Hall. They have to sign Krejci, Nick Ritchie. I don't think they have to sign Hall or Krejci. I think Krejci they have to sign. Krejci at uh, 35 years old, if the price is right under $4 million, you sign him. I think it's gone to the point where they have, especially now, like Krejci still plays a role on that team. I think it's gone to the point where they have to sign him. Well, if he's asking for anything, in my opinion, over $4 million, then I don't think you bring him back, unfortunately. Zuka Rask and Halak are, are UFAs now, so that, con- that, that what, $7 million, $8 million bucks is going off the cap? Well, at 34 and 36 years old, go out and get another goaltender. Halak's gone. No, Halak's confirmed that he's gone. But yeah, you have all this space to go out and get players that are going to help your team win. And you don't need to sign Taylor Hall to eight years and Krejci at another five years to have a winning team. You don't. I think Boston's gone to that point where they know that their window is going to be closing in about two to three years. Because think about it. 
Bergeron 35, Marshawn 33. Still playing well. Marshawn, as much as I don't like him, I think he's one of those guys who keeps putting up his point totals till 38, 39. True. That's true. That's true. But still, at the same time, especially the way Marshawn plays, everyone has a breaking point. What I say, he's 33 now. I say he's got three years left until he's a shell, a shell of his former self. You think so? I feel like Marshawn could go on forever. I feel like he just has that engine. Who? Marshawn. Yeah, but at the same time, like... Nobody's invincible. The way that guy plays, the hits, the way that he plays the body, I think that his, he, it's wear and tear over time. Guys like Patrick Marlowe were able to play for that long because they were not guys that would go and hit people consistently. They weren't guys that would go and fight. Marlowe was a guy who can go out, he would skate, he would shoot. Yeah, this Boston team just looks so good all the way around. They have guys who know their roles and can play within them. And when need be, they can play beyond them. You don't have to keep relying on Marchand and Bergeron. And the fact that all three of them play together on the same line, they don't have to go all out to go and beat another team's shutdown line. They could play at 75% of what their maxed effort is, and they can still go out and dominate the three of them. They have that chemistry. They have that skill. When you look at things like this, you kind of have to look a little further than just at the face value that, oh, yeah, you know, they're getting older, but... They've played together for three, four years now as a line. And if they can keep relying on each other, it'll still be a deadly line. And it pains me to say it again as a Leaf fan, but I agree with you. Joey, what do you have to say? I agree with Moffitt. It's almost unfair, you know? But he also said, what do you say, Muff? They're winning off the ice, but they can't win on the ice. And it blows my mind. They literally haven't made for them every contract they sign. And this Carlo contract they just signed is exhibit Z. It's unreal. Even just looking at his thing right now, he's the guy's 6'5, 227. Yeah, he's a big boy. He's the closest thing that they're ever going to have to Achara, except for the fact that he's right-handed. But a 6'5 right-handed D, like, well, they're made in labs. Those defensemen, they should be getting a lot more what he's just signed for. It just goes to show you how, I guess you could kind of use the term brainwash those players are from that organization, but it's a good sort of brainwash. Yeah. Everybody just wants to win, but they don't win. Good culture there in Boston. Hopefully that the, the team that's about... Eight, eight hours north by car can, uh, can learn from that. Uh, our time for that's gone and gone by, so we have to wait a while. I have to say, by the way, Boston, beautiful city. I was there a few, went there a few years ago, beautiful city. Yeah, it's very well maintained. Everything's cleaned up nicely. Anyways, let's move on from one team that has a, that has a culture of players taking less to another in the Colorado Avalanche. And talks between Landeskog and the team have uh, they fizzled away a bit. And now Landis Cog saying that he's looking for between eight to nine million bucks in free agency on his next contract. He said he would give Colorado a bit of a discount. I'm pretty sure that he rejected an offer and like they released the number, they released the contract details for the, uh, that he rejected. I just can't seem to find it. I want to say it was, it was like around the six million mark, but I'm not 100% sure. But realistically, you guys think Landis Cog would be worth eight to nine million bucks on a, say a five year deal? On a five year deal, I'm be honest, I really don't know. It's tough because you have Miko Randon, who he signed his deal at. Sorry, I'm not talking on Colorado. I'm talking just open market. Oh, no, no. I know. But like, I'm just saying, when you look at all these other guys, like Miko Randon, he did the complete opposite of what Nathan McKinnon had done, where he was all for the cash and Nathan McKinnon was all for a winning culture. And if you're Gabriel Landeskog and you see both sides, you're kind of torn here at which side you go for. 
Yeah, you're, you're screwed if you do, you're screwed if you don't. If you ask for too much, you're considered not a team player, and that'll alienate you from the team. If you, if you ask for too little, you you feel as if you uh, you left millions of dollars on the table, which McKinnon did. McKinnon probably left six million, or nothing. McKinnon probably left, at that time he signed a contract, might have left three to four million bucks on, on the table. Personally, I think Landis guy, he, he'll get that $9 million. I just don't know if it's worth it. Depending on the team, I'm sure that you can justify signing him to nine years five million dollars or whatever uh, he's looking for depending on the team but in Colorado like you said again the same sort of culture where it's win first and kind of money second aside from Rantanen it's a tough tough situation for him watch him go to Boston for on a dirt cheap deal I was just thinking he could end up in Boston eight million dollars not even that no not even that watch him go to Boston on like a six and a half seven no, I think he only has a soft spot for Colorado because that's where he's been. I'm not going to put fire in this rumor because it's never going to happen. But I know I know his, his wife is from Toronto. I'm not going not gonna to entertain this rumor. I see, it's hilarious. I saw it on Twitter. I forgot who said it, but the Leafs are interested in Taylor Hall and Gabriel Landis. I go, I go, yeah, no shit. They've been interested in every free agent ever since free agency existed. Every big name free agent has always been linked to Toronto. It's not going to happen unless you trade away a Marner. No, you have to trade away a Marner. Like a Marner, nobody else. Nylander, maybe. No, not even. He's worth his money. I, I'm talking, no, I'm not talking from a worth it. I'm talking from a cap standpoint. Yeah, but like the Leafs are in so much trouble that freeing up $6 million doesn't necessarily do the trick. It'll help you, but it's not going to help you as much as getting rid of Mitch Marner. $11 million? Like you could go out, you could re-sign your Zach Hyman and your Freddie Anderson, whereas if you were to get rid of Nylander, okay, you know what, let's bring back Zach Hyman. And, you know, we're still going to arguably we're keeping a lesser player you just have so many more options. Okay, but Heilman and Nylander, I would say, like, different players. So you're comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing Nylander, who's a one, who's more of a one-dimensional scorer, to Hyman, who can go. He could, he can score. He also hits. He could also penalty kill. He could play on defense. Maybe play on defense. Yeah, I know. But you just have so many more options with moving Mitch Marner. You're right. And obviously, you have more options moving the guy with the bigger cap. Yeah, and as the Leafs, you need as much space as possible. Marner is a one-dimensional scorer. That's all he does. I wouldn't necessarily say Marner. You mean Nylander? I'd say Marner. I've never. I, Marner. He's not the. He's not a defensive player. No, but he can kill penalties. He's a playmaker before he is a goal scorer. Sorry, not one-dimensional scorer. One-dimensional in the offensive end. Let me, let me put it that way. I don't see Mitch Marner as a defensive player. Yes, he kills penalties at times, but like still, there's so many players on that team who are bet who are more suited to kill penalties as opposed to Mitch Marner. An arguable statement. 99% of my statements are arguable, and you, we know this already. Joey, let's hear your point of view here. Yeah, what the fuck, Joey? You've been like you've been scarily quiet. I don't I don't know if you're still hungover or yeah, let's move. We're gonna move on here because uh I don't know Joey's going and doing his own thing, but like I, I got shit to do after this. So now let's move on to Seattle with the expansion draft probably coming out the day of the day of the release of this podcast, Wednesday, the 21st. First off, Seattle was announced that or all but confirmed that they're going to go and select and sign Chris Drieger or Dreger, however you pronounce it, from the Florida Panthers. The goalie that at times took Bobrovsky's job. He's a pending UFA and I like all, all the signs are pointing to him being selected. I'm going to say that as I'm going to say it right now, he's going to be the backup goalie. You know what? Hot take, 
Chris Drieger is the backup goaltender to Carey Price. 60-40 split. That's what I'm saying. I brought it up the other day as soon as that rumor came out. You brought it up at the beginning of the show. Oh, I probably did too. But it makes so much sense as to why you bring in both of those goalies. And it makes that price contract worth it so much more. You save him up. You don't burn him out in the regular season where he can't play in the playoffs. You let him play in the regular season. You let him play, and then you save him for the playoffs where he can go and shine. If need be, and you're up 3-0 in a series, you let Drieger play a game, and it'll work out so, so well. And Drieger, he can hold his own. He proved it this last year. He proved it by by being the one A the one A in, in Florida that helped them reach the playoffs for the first time in God knows how long. I understand Ron Francis. He's gone out and he said he doesn't want to spend a lot of money. The truth be told, you have to start spending money in all professional sports organizations to win championships. Bare minimum, they have to spend sixty mil, and it's not like with price. It's not like you're signing them on a. Or it's not like you're selecting him on an eight-year deal. He's got four years left. You could justify four more years. Even you could justify a two years of price and then you retain half and then trade him. Yeah. No, Carey Price has five. There's ways around it. As long as you can be creative, you just have to be creative. And I do think that a 1A, 1B tandem of Price and Drieger is a very, very, very good tandem. Yeah, it's not even that terrible. Yeah. I've been singing that song for the longest time. And and that that's what has to happen in Seattle. And you you mentioned to have uh, Price goals at 60-40 to not burn him out. You saw it happen this year with the Habs. Yes, Price got injured. You had Allen come in and take the reins for a few weeks, months, however long it was. And it worked out. You made the playoffs somehow. And by the time that came around, Price was fresh. You didn't have to rush him back like in previous years when you had subpar backup goalies. No offense to Kincaid, uh, Budai, McCarron, and all the other ones. God, I don't know how I just remembered all the backup goalies from Montreal. This is scary. I don't even know how you remembered Peter Budai. I thought everyone forgot about him. No, you can't You can't forget about somebody that has a, that has Homer Simpson on his mask. Oh, fair. Yeah. Uh-huh. I forgot about that. One of the best goalie masks of the, tw- of the 21st century. I forgot about that. Also, if I'm not mistaken, Peter Budai was painted by uh, by David Arrigo, one of our old guests on the show. Actually, so was Price. But yeah, so Price and Drieger can be, I'd say, hot take, top five tandem in the league. I'd say top three. I, I don't know. Who, do you, who would you put ahead of it? I would put Flurry and Leonard ahead of it. Yeah, Flurry and Leonard. And then I'd probably say, this is a little tough here. I'm just trying to think what... Uh, Vasilevsky and who cares? I mean, maybe he's that strong. He just carries his homie, whoever he's playing with. The, yeah. Is this still McElhaney? Uh, Yeah, this year was. Yeah, he's probably going to retire. McElhaney, if I'm not mistaken, is 40 this year, so he's going to retire, I'm guessing. Maybe i probably put Varlamov and Sorokin. I, I probably would. They can both play very, very, very strong. In the blue paint when you they are needed and called upon. Very interesting. Uh, anyways, so let's move on to with uh, we talked we spoke on price uh, at the beginning of the show. We spoke on them again now. So the protection list came out today for all thirty teams that have to leave a player's exposed because of course Vegas, one of the top teams in the league, doesn't have to do any of it. So let's start with possibly a, a huge shock, actually. Vladimir Tarasenko from St. Louis. I mean, 9.5 million bucks for, I want to say, the next four years. Like, yeah, granted, he did request a trade out of St. Louis. He has had injury problems. That's somebody who you can't, if he's healthy, 
and he wants to play, you could build a team or you could build your team up front around Tarasenko. 50-50. I said he, he has times where he is good. Prior to his surgery, he was good. And then he did struggle tremendously. I just wouldn't, uh, unless you have guys that you're going to put around him that can go out and get him the puck for him. He's strictly a finisher. That's all he is. Like, he's not going and creating his own goals. Everybody does the work for him. You give it to him, and he shoots from the high slot, and he's going to pick the top right corner. Unless you go out and your forward core is going to look like that, they're going to have that structure, I think you're just going to let him soak there in St. Louis. In, in Seattle. Um, no. What do you mean, Seattle? Sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, – sorry, I thought you were, like, referring to if, if uh, Seattle – No, no, I'm saying, like – you can keep him there. And then if anything, and if he decides to hold out, then you know what? St. Louis, there's the possibility that you can go out and, you know, you trade him for a first-round pick and a third-round pick. So it's better than just losing him. I'm going to interrupt here. So he has two more seasons left on a $7.5 million contract. He's a UFA after 22-23. I think this is a no-brainer. $7.5 bucks If he's healthy... In the seasons, in the seasons that he's played more than twenty-four games, he's put up bare minimum. He's at thirty-three goals in every season, minimum from fourteen, fifteen to nineteen, or to eighteen, nineteen. Thirty-three goals minimum. He had a thirty, he had two thirty-threes, a thirty-nine, a forty, and a thirty-seven. He could put up. He puts up points. He's not a minus player. He's had two seasons fucked over by injuries. Like I think this is one that's a no-brainer selection, which sucks for St. Louis because they're gonna. They could have gotten they could have gotten a good return for him at the bare minimum of one first round pick. I think they're gonna get fucked over here. And Seattle's gonna come with Seattle's gonna make third round minimum next year. I'm calling it. The players that are available, unless Ron Francis and Dave Haxtell completely shit the bet on the picks, I think they go out and they can make minimum third round. How sick would it be to see a West, a West final of Vegas and Seattle? I would not watch hockey anymore. I just wouldn't. I'd watch that series, and that'd be the last hockey I ever watched. Oh, I would love that series. Unless the Leafs lose in the first round again. No, the Leafs can make it to the third round. Seattle goes to the finals before the Leafs do. I'm... That would be a slap. Just blow up the entire team, restart, restart, get start, uh, have the Toronto have Toronto start with Toronto. I relocate the entire team. Never mind, blow it up. You can't. When it when do we start talking about relocating the Leafs? When when do we start this? You can't. Toronto's a $1.5 billion team. Yo, relocate them to Mississauga. No, 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 no. We move them, we move them to old Quebec City. We're going to bring back the Nordiques. The Nordiques is going to be the 33rd team in this league unless somebody – unless, like, a team like Arizona gets relocated. Yeah, they, they should – They should before they bring in another team, they have to relocate a team. Like, one of the California teams, like, good God. Get San Jose out of there. What are you doing? Please. Arizona. Yeah, San Jose, I could see get out. Like, like LA, uh, they have a future ahead of them. Uh, Anaheim does. LA's cool. Vegas is cool. Not even that, but also think about it. LA, LA you're not hey, you're not moving somebody from LA. You're like, nobody's getting, is getting moved from LA. What do you mean? It's fucking LA. You can't justify moving somebody there, uh, moving a team from the LA area. Oh, yeah, I guess you can look at it that way, too. But I was just saying that they have a future ahead of them. But that's the only way that teams will get moved is if they have, they're in financial struggle or if they're in a shit area with no fans. Yeah, San Jose should be the first one. That's why I'm saying Arizona or Buffalo. Those are my top two teams to get relocated. Arizona or Buffalo. 
No, thing is, everybody within the Buffalo area, they all take a trip and make a weekend out of going to Buffalo to watch their favorite team play the Sabres. Like, Leaf fans do it all the time. They take a trip. Then you have your diehard Sabres fans who actually go and watch games, and they'll stick by them. Good point. Like, that's, one thing I've, that's one thing I've never done. Or you got guys in, like, New York. Could you imagine going to buy a ticket for the Rangers against whoever? Why don't you just go watch the Rangers in Buffalo? Even then, even then, that's like a, five, a minimum, like a four or five hour drive. It doesn't matter, but you save the money. Tickets to at Madison Square Garden, and you just go and spend it on gas and a hotel and watch the game in Buffalo for 30 bucks. As bad as Buffalo it is, they're a little bit of a saving grace for all these northeastern uh, located teams. For all these original six teams. Buffalo is right in the middle of all the original, like all, all the teams that have stupid ticket prices. Even go to L.A., LA, one of the most expensive cities in the States. Their tickets are dirt cheap by comparison to like a Toronto. And I would love to go watch a game at the Staples Center because just that'd just be a great, that'd be a great trip. Go down to LA for a week, watch a couple games there, stay down at Laguna Beach. Yeah, that's what you're saying. I don't know. I just wouldn't find that the atmosphere there would be all that exciting, I guess. Uh, moving on to someone who's a little bit more low low key compared to Tarasenko, but still a pretty big name. Max Domi. I don't know why the fuck. Actually, I do know why why he was left unprotected because Columbus is going into a rebuild and like they're trying to. By the same time, they should be leaving. What's his name? They should they should be protecting Domi and trying to trade him. He's making five point three on an expiring contract, expiring at the end of this upcoming season. This season, he had twenty four points in fifty four games. Minus 18, yeah. He had a shit season, but so did everyone in Columbus. I don't think that's worth leaving him exposed. But I don't know. He's 26. He's 26. He's a good player. I say last season was just a fuck up. Well, what wasn't in Columbus, though? Exactly. The two goalies, that was about it. I don't know. Yeah, he could use, again, another change of scenery. Like, good God. What's this? His, he's been on three teams now? Four teams? Arizona, Montreal, and Arizona, Montreal, and Columbus. He was traded from Arizona for Galchenyuk and then over to Thomas for Josh Anderson. Yeah, like he has to get on another team. Okay, Montreal, him getting traded from Montreal was not his fault. The guy had in two seasons of Montreal, his first season, 82 games, 22, 28 goals, 44 assists, 72 points, plus 20. Second season, seven in 71 games, hit 44 points, 17 goals, 20 over a 20 goal pace. No, I'm not saying he sucked or whatever. Like he has to be playing with the right set of players for him to be successful my opinion but out of those players i think i think all three like you can make the argument for all three of them getting selected like you can make an you can make a pretty damn good argument for all three of them being selected especially price and tarasenko two former all-stars you got tarasenko cup champion price 100 percent. tarasenko no you don't think that he's gonna get selected no i don't think they should select them either why like i said you have to put play him with certain players and just think that if you have him alone as your top winger, he's a winger, right? Yeah. If you have him as your top right winger and, you know, your center and left wing can't do anything for him, he's not really worth it. I think it was a mistake on St. Louis and two not protecting him because, like you said, he could they could have gotten something not extravagant, but something that'll... You could also justify a, a sign and trade with him. So many different options that they had that they... They didn't even bother. Think of it this way. He's got what? Two, what did I say? He had 
he's expiring up at the end of the 22-23 season. He's he's a UFA. Two years left. You, you select him, play him for this year. Just give him the puck all the time. Let the guy light the fucking lamp, and then flip him. I say, I'm telling you right now, if Seattle selects him, he's going to be traded by the 22 draft. His stock went down a lot with St. Louis in the past couple of years because of injuries. I think that the only reason Seattle wouldn't select him is if they take a look at his injury history and then that scares them. Well, that that's what scares me too. Yeah, that, that's the only downside to the guy. There's a lot of good players that they can select that they can have a fairly decent team for the next few years. Yeah. There's a actually, I don't, I'm gonna see if I can find this on an Instagram uh, just before we started recording. I forgot who it was posted the best possible team that Seattle can select if the cap wasn't an issue. Oh, uh, if the cap wasn't an issue, there'd be <laughs> okay. Yeah, my Instagram is reset, so it's, yeah, I'm not finding it. But it was an insane team. I think Vegas had it harder than Seattle. There wasn't as many top tier players left protected because we were never in a situation like like this with a flat cap. Yeah, I believe. It. Like I'm telling you, half these A-list or these top players that were there that are left unprotected, they would be like at least half of them would have been protected if we didn't have a flat cap. Which is why Seattle and Ron Francis they're coming in at the perfect time. Anyways, uh, I think it's time to cut it off. Unless you guys have anything else you wanna, any other topics you wanna add, Joey? No, I think we're good. Shit, he's not on mute. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 22 of Twigs and Twine. If you made it this far, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. This has been our uh, Seattle Kraken expansion draft preview show. Here you go, Alex. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And we'll see you all next Wednesday for our post for our, our draft show. Cause isn't the draft in a week as well. Uh, we'll see you all next week for our draft for our draft show. Hopefully, unless I can believe fucked up the dates. Have a great week and uh, check out the undrafted sports podcasting network. For those who, uh, who made it this far, the network that makes this all possible.